talking about the things that make your home service business go. Marketing, finance, systems, people. This is the Fight Club for Business podcast. Hello. That was a very Michelle move, Martha. Are you kidding me? Oh goodness. Well, happy Tuesday. Welcome to Fight Club, everyone. We are live officially. That was a quick, uh, quick live there, Martha. No problem. It was time. We were overdue. I was overdue. Yes, I was. I was a little late, so it's on me. Well, welcome to Fight Club for Business, the show for home service business owners looking to improve their marketing, finances, systems, and culture. We're a team of self-employed industry experts. And this week, you may know him. If you don't know him, I don't know. Maybe you've been living under a rock. But we get to be joined this week by Tommy Mello. So thank you so much for joining us, Tommy. Do you mind uh, giving our listeners a brief rundown of yourself and your business? Yeah, so I'll go quick here because uh, Megan already gave me the spill that I just got. I'll give you the one-minute elevator pitch. Grew up in Michigan. Um my mom and dad worked really, really hard. I lived in a, a 1,500-square-foot house and uh, shoveled snow, uh, mowed lawns, really got the entrepreneur itch when I was young. And so I was a one-man band doing everything I could. I started a landscaping business in Arizona when I was – I moved out here when I was 16 and uh, got into the garage door business because my roommate was a manager – and a dispatcher at a garage door company. So I started painting garage doors in 2005 and six. Started a business 2007 with a partner, made every mistake in the book, lost my butt, worked 24 seven, did every job you could think of. I was the fleet manager, two, two trucks. <laughs> I was payroll HR, I ran all the jobs, worked in the business, the old Michael Gerber cliche. 2010, I took over, my mom and stepdad moved out from Michigan and helped. Uh, finally I had somebody I could trust 2014. I met Adam Cronenberg. He was like my integrator really made some big moves with him. We got on the service Titan in 2017, met Al Levy, got the manual standard operating procedures, um, got the business about 150 million in the last year. Um, uh, then a lot of acquisitions on top of that. And then, um, took on a private equity partner just because we ran out of money. I mean, if we were going to buy, I got 63 NDAs. So did did a deal, still own half the company, and just really looking to take over the whole industry, really. And uh, the good news is, for those out there, I started out making uh, from rock zero. There was no business I bought. It's just I got into debt. So I've been where you're at, and I've also been at a good level. But if there's a mistake that could be made, I made it. I love the vulnerability and honesty in that opening uh, bio there. We don't normally get that too often. So thank you for that. Well, my name is Taylor Maroney and I actually co-own a marketing company or marketing company. Goodness, I'm not enough coffee today. <laughs> I co-own a power washing company in South Florida with my husband. Um, and my background is in marketing and that's what I know and love. And I love to talk to business owners about really knowing the numbers behind the marketing how to make decisions based upon that and really help grow their business. So thank you for joining us, Tommy, and welcome to Fight Club, everyone. Thank you. And 
And my name is Megan Likes. I'm the founder of Bookkeeping Academy Online. I like to educate and inspire small business owners to know their numbers so that they can live more financially rewarding lives. Uh, Tommy and I met when I was doing that uh, in, uh, I don't, it was a while ago, uh, Savannah, that's where we met. Uh, and we were both talking about profitability and nerding out about profit first. I also have a full service accounting firm, Likes Accounting Companies, where you can outsource all your nasty accounting tasks, bookkeeping tasks, we'll take care of the numbers, we'll teach you how to understand them. And a window cleaning company, gutter cleaning company, uh, based out of Northern California, where I'm the active CEO, called Jeff Likes Clean Windows and Gutters. And I've got a slew of other small businesses, but mostly I just love talking about how business owners can really make a difference with just a few key numbers. And uh, Tommy and I have done lots of talks on this, uh, favorite KPIs, how to drive better decisions. Um, but today we're going to talk about some other fun stuff. So welcome, Tommy, to the show. We're happy to have you. This is technically an encore performance, but the first time it's been public. So we're thrilled uh, to have you back. Thank you. Hey there. Good morning, Tommy. I'm Michelle Myers, co-owner of Pink Collars. We do remote admin services for home service businesses. So we put those CSRs and office managers in your business remotely if you need that help. My husband and I also co-own a Wise Coatings location with Brandon Vaughn, and we're very happy to do that. That's a lot of fun. That's my new favorite business. And I am thrilled to have you here. We met in Phoenix. You let us come walk through your shop and see your CSRs do the magic that they do for all of your locations. And I still have lots of pictures and intel from that visit. So thank you. I'm excited to see you again and happy to have you on Fight Club. You actually met in Tahoe. You knew Tommy before I did. Remember? Oh, oh that's possible. That's that was possible. way further back. I remember. They possible. were like, do you know this guy named Tommy I was Meadow? trying to forget uh, the uh, winter games that my husband and I lost so brutally. So, yes, <laughs> in Tahoe. Yeah, Tom that was like the breakfast talk. talk, you know. <laughs> you got to meet this guy. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Tahoe, I forgot. <laughs> um, and I'm Martha Woodward. I owned a maid service for 13 years. I co-founded Quality Driven Software, which is all about employee performance metrics. And uh, Tommy, we I've been on your podcast once and we really geeked out about employee accountability, the scoreboard and stuff. So I think we'll have fun. Yeah, this is great. I appreciate it. Yeah, appreciate you being on here. All right, Tay, take us. Take us away. All right. Well, I get to steal you first, Tommy. And I think it would be a disservice if I don't talk about how Martha like knows your jingle. Like it is absolutely <laughs> like ingrained in her brain. She, we were in over I in Virginia. I forgot that. <laughs> we were driving around. We happened to see a white van and Megan brought up how, you know, that's definitely something that's completely against your branding ideals. You do not recommend having white vans. It's absolutely not allowed. And out of nowhere, Martha just started the jingle. So what I want that's to right. About, I forgot myself. But better than that, they all knew your jingle, Tommy, except for me. Yes. I was the only one that didn't. And we were on our way to meet Darius. So it was like a super fun, nerdy fight club moment. Uh, day one. Day one. <laughs> yep. Day yeah. one. Day one. Yep. <laughs> so what I want to talk to you about is clearly you have a very strong brand. I mean, it was something that out of nowhere we were able in the car in Virginia not even looking at your company to be able to bring up your jingle have conversations about your brand and that's something I know a lot of business owners struggle with is the identity of the business and what they want that to look like so I know you talked in the opening about how you really took a long time to get to this point and really build this brand of who you are and who a one doors is or garages excuse me so how do you 
first kind of look at that. When you're talking to a business owner or talking to a friend um, and talking about the identity of a business, because you don't want that to be the identity of the business owner. We don't want it to be Tommy Mello. We want it to be its own identity. So how did you get to that point? What was kind of your starting block? Well, I think the first time I really knew I had an issue was when Al Levy came in and just pointed out that no trucks were exactly the same. Uh, mm-hmm. And then I, I read a lot on the Wizard of Ads. I met a guy named Dan Antonelli with Kick Charge, and I read a book called The Brand Story by Donald Miller. And just really said, what does this stand for? Who's my client? Am I marketing to the affluent? Is it just your dual co- dual income couple and a home? Uh, so I had to figure out that every garage door owner, a uh, homeowner is not my client. And then we had to figure out really what our core values are and figure out what our mission and vision was. And I wanted it to feel like the good old fashioned, like a milkman, you know, you trust him and he comes. So when I looked at Gettle being in Phoenix, this is their largest market. I loved his story behind the brand and the dog Sadie and just the people and the storytelling. And it's easy to tell a story and people remember a story forever. So kind of what hit the drawing board and just came up. I I needed to keep it a one. Dan didn't really like that idea, but, uh, and then I started realizing I could take these fundamental concepts and do it with any brand. So we don't need to be a one, by the way, there's 93 other a ones, even though I got an irrevocable trademark. So that's really where there's one in Phoenix, isn't there? The, The a one that was in Phoenix shut down a few years ago. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, so that that's the basis of it. And then I realized when you're driving by a billboard or even a truck or even, you know, some guys in the power washing, their shirts have like 80 words. <laughs> so it's like they do it. They put every single thing they do and nobody really remembers. Listen, I'm the best at washing houses. I make them look beautiful again and protect the coating. Like that's the main goal that you want somebody to take away. Or listen, we make your garage door beautiful, your flooring. You don't need to put diamond grind and every little detail you do in your billboards. And a lot of people say you need to have a phone number. I don't have a phone number. I want them to think of me when they do have an issue. So I I wanted to remember my jingle. And that way, when they see me online, they click on me and they say, this is our company. I know these guys. It's somewhere in their unconscious. And I've done a lot of studying on the brain. And there's a spot in your brain that actually will remember all this stuff at the time you need it. As long as you could have a little... like I'm obsessed with Google. So I'm trying to be on there four times when they click on a uh, garage door repair. But if they search a one garage door service, higher conversion rate, more patient, better average ticket, mm-hmm. five out of five stars. They're just happier customers are like, you guys are the only company we'd ever use. And those are the best clients by far when they're actually searching for you versus your generic term. So branded versus non-branded. hundred percent. And that's, and two things, I kind of want to touch on two separate things. Definitely the Google aspect of, searching for the brand itself. But I want to kind of go back to what you initially said, which was you really figured out your customer avatars. And I feel like I've talked about this a lot this year. It's been kind of a theme of mine. Um, But that's something a lot of business owners, if you walk up to a business owner and ask them who their primary customer is and who they sell to, they 90% of the time, they can't give me that answer because they don't really think to that granular level of who their client is and how their client looks for them as a company and looks for that type of service. And that is so essential when you are talking about marketing. I know we do have a couple different avatars. You don't have to just have one. You can have, you know, three or four, depending on the type of services you offer, the type of luxury you have. 
whatever your um, business is offering, you can adjust that. But primarily, you need to know exactly who you're talking to in order to then start to develop that brand with them and really start to connect with them. Because like you said, you don't want your customers to go gravitate towards a phone number. You want them to know A1 Garage. And that's what your customers know. And that's why, like you were saying with Google, it does allow for a lot higher conversion rates because they're searching for A1 directly. And when that happens, you're not having that issue of competition showing up. They know who they're looking for. They know what they want. They know what they're expecting. And then from there, it just continues to build that trust and that relationship with you as a company. And I say you, but really we're talking about A1 here, but it's moving into the Google side of it. Have you seen since really back when you had no, right? We're talking about completely different mixed max trucks when Al came in. Now we're in a position where branding is very strong. We have it across the board. What has been your conversion and looking from the past to now as to clients becoming more lifetime clients? It's a whole different ballgame. We're at 23,000 service agreements, and we really got good at service agreements in May. Um, another couple of things that happened when I started to really focus on TV, radio, billboards, and those not ne necessarily direct response. I feel like I'm going to sneeze. Sorry. Um, <laughs> okay. um, what I figured out was the people, and this is what my book is about, Elevate, Build a Business, Everybody Wins, is people would walk in and they'd be like, you're the company we want to work for. We see you everywhere. You're not afraid to spend money. You, you're a great company. We hear your message out there. I talk a lot about my mom and just growing up and just why Amazing. we do what we do and that I'm going to treat you like mom. And um, and I love my mom a lot. And she's the most special person in my life. We share the same birthday. She just turned 69. I turned 40. So that's the messaging that video is adorable by the way we should like post it or something it's a sweet tommy and mom moment video and yeah you guys are cute mom and Gina, the right? is the main thing is when you're marketing you're marketing for partnerships you're marketing for internal customers which are my coworkers, and you're also marketing for clients and you can never spend the money to brand your company if you don't have the numbers dialed in which is and I go with this, you guys probably heard this before, but your average ticket, conversion rate, booking rate, and cost per acquisition. If you got those four things dialed in, you can spend a lot more on marketing and branding. And branding is a long-term play. It's it's not short-sighted. It's not what's going to happen next month. It's what's going to happen in two years from now. So a lot of people, they don't have the ability to see past one year, 18 months. But if they only look five to 10 years out, because it happens quickly, They'll have an amazing company and they'll build a business that works for them instead of them working for the business. Oh, I love that. So I would definitely say if you're a business owner listening to this right now and you are stuck in that mindset of only looking one month, only looking one year out, really start to look at your brand and start to really take into account what that means to the company. And definitely, I, I think it's perfect transition because we are starting to talk about numbers right now. So I think I'm going to go ahead and thank you for your time with me, Tommy, and pass you off to Megan for some finances. Ah, I'm not done. You talk too fast. I can't keep up. Uh, your fave <laughs> KPIs, I've got it though. Conversion rate. This is something like, this is how you gain business, right? Can you just walk them through real quick, setting a goal and crushing that goal using these four KPIs? Well, you know, it starts with a budget. And I used to hate the word budget because I thought a budget put me in a sexy. box. Yeah. <laughs> a, a budget puts me in a box. But it, it, without the team understanding what the destination is or what the how do you how do you reward people and how do you get them on a performance improvement plan, which I hate that the PIP. But 
it, everybody's goal now is on the yearly revenue and profit of the business. And we pay a, a lot of our leadership staff. We double their, we literally double their, what they make. And we've got an equity incentive program. So everybody's got to start out at, it all starts with those KPIs. This is how much it costs to generate a phone call. How many phone calls do we need? That's how you build a budget. You figure yeah, out this, and you, you go through these numbers and it starts with marketing because without the calls and without the bookings, the technician doesn't have a chance, but then the technician's job and my job is only to get him to the front door of a job that needs us. And it's interesting. I spoke with one of the top companies in the country and I don't want to go into the details, but they rate every call one, two, three, four. And one is, and this is an HVAC company. One is if the house, if, the, if it's a service agreement, uh, and it's under 10 years old. Number two is if it's a service agreement or number two is a demand job under 10 years old. Number three is a service agreement over 10 years old. And number four is a, as a demand call. That's not a service agreement. That's over 10 years old. And they really know who they're sending out there. They, they, they understand there's a different technician to send out to each of these. That's how granular they get. And these are companies that are doing, this company in particular is doing, you know, 400 million. So I, I think success leaves clues. And I ask yeah. a lot of questions and I hang out with a lot of these people that, that know things that I'm still trying to figure out. And I think that's the secret sauce is guys like Al Levy introduced me to a dozen people. Megan's introduced me to a lot of people. It, I'm always around people and I'm asking a lot of questions. I love it. So I have a lot of questions for you and we only have like, I don't know, seven minutes or something. So we can talk, I'm going to give you three choices to talk about. Um, you just did a pretty big deal like three months ago, not even three months ago. And I think it would be fun to talk about how you, how you got ready for that. Like that wasn't something that you did overnight. It wasn't a decision you made overnight. You prepared for that deal for a long time. Um, and I feel like we're seeing more and more partnering with private equity with venture capital. And so if you could leave our listeners with some things that they could do, if that was something they were interested in, we could talk about that. Um, you have a new book coming out and I read it. I read the whole thing. I'm very proud of myself. My goal is to read it by uh, tomorrow and I finished it. I loved it. It's better than your first book. Uh, I really, really loved it. And uh, you're doing a course that's going to go with that. So uh, Gianni asked me to, I don't even know if you know this. You probably don't. He asked me to throw together a pricing for profits add on to your course. So I did. So we could talk a little bit about that. I'm tempted to just leave it and say, buy the book, do the course, and they can catch it there. Um, or we can talk about EBITDA, which is kind of related to getting ready for bringing on a partner. Um, you guys, I met Adrian. Uh, I, I've been at the bar with A1 people, and they have this whole culture on addbacks, or they had this whole culture on addbacks and being very careful about the budget and spending. Um, where, where do you want to go with this? Uh, you know, I think it's interesting to talk about a lot of people come up to me and the, the first one you talked about, cause that'll include you, but, uh, and I think we'll talk about the book at some point on this podcast, but yeah, we're, Martha, we're counting on you. <laughs> so what we could address the book and I, I, we poured our heart and soul into this book and really we wanted to leave something like Michael Gerber. The e-myth is what's the one thing, you know, work on the business instead of in the business. So we wanted to say, what is your job out of this book? It's to elevate everybody around you. And that's going to be the premise of the book. But I really like, talking about everybody's like, I need to go buy companies. And I'm like, you have no idea how hard it is for integrations and to make them buy into your culture. It's not something, oh, why didn't I think of that? I'll just go buy a lot of companies. You take on a lot of debt, unless you're just 
cash flush. And I don't know anybody that could buy the businesses we're buying with just cash in the bank. So you got to have a delayed draw term loan in place. And I think what they what they loved about us is we're what's called a platform company, meaning we could take a hundred other companies and put them underneath us and make them successful because of our systems. And we, we it's tried and true. We did it with several companies before we partnered. And now we closed the company last week in, um, in uh, Nashville. We're closing one in Columbus in a week. And now I, I love the momentum of this. Cause I feel like it was just a year ago when you were, maybe it was a year, it was right before the first vertical track. Like, so I guess it was two years ago. And you were like, I'm having a hard time. I've got all these LOIs out. I'm having a hard time get, coming to terms. And now you said, what did you say? You had 63 deals? Not as close your agreements. We've got a lot of LOIs, letters of intents going out. And so from really four to 63 in less than two years. And I think this partnership's really helped you scale faster. Well, Tom Howard was on my board of directors and he flew out here last summer. And he said, Tommy, he said, I happen to be in the midst of IPO worlds and they've cut in half. And he goes, let's go watch the big short. So we went to my apartment and. Uh, fun fact, Tommy lived in an apartment until like, what? A couple months ago, like three months ago, four months ago, six months ago. Now he lives in a castle that he paid cash for. And we're going to call it a castle. I'm just going to keep calling it that. Uh, yeah, but until six months ago, this man lived in an apartment. So anyway, you go to your apartment, you watch the big short. Yeah. By the way, I had several houses. I just chose to live there because we bought the apartment. So um, the other way better. <laughs> he but, owned the entire apartment complex, multiple ones. Anyway, keep going. So Tom flew out and Tom's like, let's watch this. You know, pigs get fat, hogs get slaughtered. He's like, what's your delayed draw, draw, delayed draw term loan? And I said, it's 20 million. And they want to pause 60 days in between every transaction. And he goes, well, that's going to run out fast for the size companies you're buying. So we watched it. We talked about a lot of things and um, he's a good friend because he was able to open my, my brain on the whole concept. And as interest rates go up, values go down because basically what PE companies, venture capitalists do is they leverage money. They're financial engineers. And when money and debt cost more money, the multiples got to go down. So I could have worked really hard for five years, tripled the company and still got less. Let's just use simple numbers. If I was doing a million of EBITDA and I got 10X, I would have got 10 million, even though I bought half it. So I would have had $5 million, but let's just say the market cuts in half for multiples and it cuts to 5 million. I could have tripled it and still ended up with almost the same amount of money even though I worked my butt off, it took a lot of risk. And okay, so let's let's take this back to something that a listener can implement because I only have you for three more minutes. What what are your top three things that somebody listening to this who's interested in bringing on a partner or bringing on capital like this should do? Number one is you got to do your own quality of earnings. You hire one of the big four, the big four banks that really, if you show them a quality of earnings or an audit, not just reviewed do an internal audit and do an internal review. And I think you should hire a broker because the broker, they help with the management meetings. They help set you up. We did a Parthenon study. It really depends on the size of your company, but letting let's someone else. A, let's assume we're a small company. So what I'm hearing is a third party valuation. So this is you. You've paid a lot of money for this. It's going to be expensive, but that's going to give you some negotiating levers. And that's going to give you a lot of insight about your company, right? Uh -huh. About where you're short, where you're weak, where you can improve. Uh -huh. 
if you're not doing audited financials, they're going to open up a can of worms when they do it because they're the buyer. And I'll tell you what was interesting about the way I handled my process is I was the buyer. I was buying a company I wanted to partner with, even though they were paying me. I looked at it like I was the person in charge. It wasn't just whoever gives me the best offer. I wanted somebody that's going to help 10x the business and somebody that I, you know, I, my, my buddy calls it, it's got to be fun, um, lucrative, elf, easy, fun, and lucrative. And easy, lucrative, fun, elf. And if it's not that, and it's like these people are breathing down your neck, they're telling you, you got to do better at this. And that's not how, who Cortec is, who we partner with. So I'd say, find somebody you love, make sure your numbers are in order and have a plan. Because okay. Hang on. So I love that. So when you're saying find somebody, he's saying when you start entertaining offers, when you start having conversations, which I'm assuming you'll agree, anybody interested in your buying your business, you should have a conversation with even if you're not ready to sell, because you're going to learn something. Every time you have that discussion, you're going to learn something. You're going to take away something. You're going to see your business differently. Um, but find a partner you can trust and you can work with that you speak the same language. I heard that. Keep it fun. So this could be stressful. This could be a disaster. Uh, but keep it fun. Prioritize that part. And then you just snuck in there, have your financials in good order. Give them a, give them a tidbit about that. Like the prioritizing profit, right? John Morlow says for the two years leading up to it, you really need to prioritize profitability in your company. Do you agree? Sorry, Finnegan's bark. Finnegan's stop it. Um, <laughs> we love Finnegan's. Yeah, John Morlow built, built the cell. I mean, yeah. listen, I, I talked to a, a guy last night I was telling you about earlier. Like, no matter what your company is, even if you have no intentions of selling it, even if you're trying to give it to, to your kids or whatever you're trying to do, there's three opportunities that have with a business. You sell it, which is the best one. Number two, you die and it goes to wherever it goes. Number three is you pass it to uh, your kids. It's Hopefully, they're going to pay you something for it long term and, and potentially take a loan to give you a lump sum of money. So everybody should be thinking about building a business that's sellable. But the real way you get the most money is building a business that runs without you. And this is the biggest misconception in business is, yeah, I made 200 grand last year. Well, how much did the company make, Megan? Well, I just told you we made 200 grand last year. Well, what'd you pay yourself? Tommy, 200 grand. So the company made zero and you made 200 grand or you paid yourself zero and you took it as uh, draws. And that's even worse. You better be paying yourself at least 80 grand through a W-2 and paying taxes and paying FICA and paying Medicare and all the other stuff we pay for. You got to pay yourself a salary plus take the draws and the company should still be making 15 to 20%. That's the most... Untold fact in business is revenue <laughs> is great and it's for vanity and profits for sanity. Love it. Um, so I heard you say prioritizing profitability. You said 15 to 20% should be the goal. I think people get very confused when they talk about owner's pay, owner's salary, owner's draw, distributions. Uh, so Tommy recommended paying yourself a healthy living wage for your work in the business. That, that's, that's important to prioritize before you count on your profitability. A lot of business owners that I talk to, especially when they're small, they're like, oh yeah, my profitability is like 35%. And I'm like, well, you haven't paid yourself a dime or you have paid yourself a dime, you didn't account for it. So I heard that. And then you said, build a business that can work without you or that can run without you. Uh, Tommy used to always do this challenge from the stage. You know, if I were to pay for your trip right now for, I don't remember, four weeks, six weeks, you gave him a dream vacation, what would happen to your company while you were gone? Um, it's a really good challenge and it's a perfect passing point to Michelle to talk about <laughs> systematizing so that we can replace ourselves in the business. Thank you, Tommy. 
Yeah, I love it. I'm going to pick it up exactly from there. Thank you, Megan. So tell us about some of those really core systems, Tommy, that you have that could make it possible for you to exit from the company for a long period of time. What are you using out there now? So the biggest thing is data integrity and it's exactly integrity to trust the data that's coming in because I've noticed that when you have employees and I have 700, they can manipulate the systems and it makes the data not accurate. So we really do checks and balances and I'm doubling down on this and we're going to listen to every one-on-one meeting. We're going to listen to every morning mojo call. We're going to listen to every Thursday morning meeting because I want it to look and feel the same in every single market. And I've, I just, I came into work yesterday and I realized they were gaming one of my systems on our virtual product specialist, which I won't go too into a tangent on that, but so we got to have checks and balances and you got to make sure the data is accurate and you got to make sure you're knowing where to put your time each day you go into work. Because if you're just like, man, there's so much to do, you have to have a way of prioritizing the day. And the biggest thing, it's, it's really hard to put a price on what it's like to tell somebody you're doing great today or communicating or just giving somebody a smile or writing a little note because that doesn't necessarily translate into numbers that make you money, but it's super important. It's the culture. And me and Martha are going to talk about that. But ultimately, I've got a lot of checks and balances. I've got data integrity teams. We've got systems and standard operating procedures for everything. We weigh the door. We put stickers in. We run it three times. And we verify all these things by them capturing pictures and filling out forms. And the technology suite, along with the manuals and standard operating procedures and checklists, are what make the business an expected result. I know what's going to happen based on the fact that they can't they can't hide these facts. Yeah. And so they've got a scorecard. Every employee in the business has a scorecard and they're they're different for different positions, but we know what the three or four important things are that they need to do well, that they're in control of. And that's the key element. They're in control. They can't, I can't put them in charge if the manager doesn't do his job or, or maybe a technician doesn't do their job. The CSR shouldn't get penalized. So it's things that they're, really in their control. So that's that's the basis of the model of what we created. It sounds like you're really people focused, but as you scale, obviously there's only one Tommy. Tell us how you continue to communicate to everyone in your company as it continues to grow and not have that just wipe you out physically and emotionally. Tell me how that works. Well, I've got a buddy of mine that works with me. His name's Jim Leslie, and we're building some software that talks to the payroll software. So I could send videos and text. Right now, I do this on a manual process. But we have a, a bring the fire meeting once a month I, where I speak to the company as a whole. And my main job is I, I check in a lot with the leadership team to make sure. But I, I feel like it's something I need to work on. It's it's never going to make me happy. I'm always a work in progress. So I, I try my best to communicate, but you know, we, we speak at a lot of events and I, I try to communicate on Facebook a lot and say, wow, great job guys, blah, 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 blah. But it needs to be more individual. And that's the goal I'm getting to is that we're working on a new executive assistant. That's just going to work with me on this is it's praising the employees. I'm never going to be the guy to kick them when they're down. I was in Orlando last week, maybe two weeks ago. And I said, who's the number one performer in this market this month? And one of the guys raises his hand, the other. And I said, who's not performing up to the level they would like? And one guy raises his hand and I said, listen, we're going to help you. My job is here to make sure everybody around, we're going to lift you up. What do you want to do with your life? What's your dreams? And we talked a lot about this. 
And I said, listen, I want to see those dreams. I don't want you to just have a house you can live in to call your own. I want you to have two rentals. I want you to have a brand new car. I want you to take your kids to Disney World. I want you to take your wife on a 10-year anniversary or renew your vows. I want you to be able to take your dad on a fishing trip. I want you to have the best life ever. Mm. And that's really the fundamental part of Elevate. And I didn't mean to throw that back in there, but these are conversations that, that I enjoy having. That's good. You said leadership team. Are you running on a platform like EOS or Traction? Like, do you do a platform like that to lead your group or have you created one on your own? Yeah, we don't necessarily follow those. I mean, great books. I've interviewed with Gino Wickman and Mark Winters and all those guys. But um, I don't necess- The problem that I have, Michelle, is there's way too many things out there. I read way yeah. too much. So I kind of built a Frankenstein. <laughs> and I don't, I just, I think at our level, even Profit First doesn't work for me. I mean, it does for companies and I'm I, a big proponent of it. But We built our own model of how we communicate. And one of the things I'm reading a book called Come Up for Air. Mm. And it's really about getting everybody on the same systems. Because you got one guy using Teams, one guy using Slack. Some people are meeting up on StreamYard. Some people are using Microsoft 360. You got a Google Docs. You've got Monday Board. You've got Asana. Don't Uh, get her started. Don't don't do it. Don't get me started. This makes me absolutely aggro. Like my hair will light on fire. I can see it already. Let's go. New topic. (laughs) <laughs> Quick, <laughs> Michelle well, gets super passionate about streamlining communication. It's, it's, so, it's unnecessary uh, gobbledygook, as I say, in your business. It's just unnecessary. Just choose one and move. You know. Well, it's up to you as a leader and the founder and the visionary, I think, to pick the technology stacks and train on them. Because if I came in there and said I used Monday for the last five years and you guys use Asana or Trello or whatever you guys decided, you need to train me. We need to communicate. And I should sign off with my John Hancock saying that I agree that I'm going to use this software and I'm going to be proficient in it because you coming in and saying you're going to use teams. I'm like, well, team sucks. I like yeah. to use zoom and you know what I mean? Or whatever. Sure. So it's up to the leaders and it's hard because right now we, we spend an extra day a week going through email. So if you can come up with a way to communicate internally without email, and that happens through project boards and making sure that we're communicating less meetings, great meetings. You got to have, we have a lot of meetings, but I think they need to, I want to 10 X the efficiency of my meetings. These are things I haven't made it yet. I can tell you guys. And when I 10 X the business, I still haven't made it. This is a work in progress. I go to work. I have nightmares. My problems are different than most people's. It's, it's not about people showing up to work. We've solved that, but now it's about refining, refining, refining the systems. I love it. I love it. Thank you. This is a perfect place to hand you over to Martha, but I have one more question. We're seeing a lot of AI out there in customer service specifically. What are your thoughts on that for guys kind of looking into the future and what to put in the seat of the customer service rep? How do you see that impacting the home service space? I've got two guys working on AI for us. I like it for form fills, getting the customer to a point where they're ready to make a decision. I think a lot of people overlook the form fills, whether that's LSA form fills, uh, website chat. Sure. There's so many opportunities. Angie's list, home advisor, uh, Angie. You know, there's a lot of opportunities for rehash to just contact the customer and get them to book an appointment with the manager. I do think it's going to change the way we do things. I still think AI is going to be, for me, it's just going to allow me to, 
do other things and not have to hire as many people. I'm yeah. not going to get rid of anybody. Sure. But I could repurpose people in the company. And I, I do think as it starts to learn from what we do and mm -hmm. AI out there can learn, um, it's going to be a game changer because I don't want to just use it for customer service. I'm using it for rehash. I'm using it for upsells. I'm using it for outreach. I'm using it for content. I'm using it for ads. I mean, it's training. So we've been doing it for like responding to Yelp ads and filling out a response bid form and uh, working on our chat. But now Jeff is doing it in training, right? Like when techs have a question using AI to read the knowledge base, to point them in the right direction, to get them into the learning manuals. It's, it's, it's mind boggling. Uh, okay, sorry to hijack. It's okay, it's perfectly. There's two, wait, there's two questions. So let's get those done real quick. So Matt Ricketts was on the screen here. Matt, where'd you go? There he is. Uh, yeah, he asked, as you scaled locations, do you have a local owner that has some ownership stake in the local market? How have you chosen the markets you've entered? Yeah, so we have what's called a pool of equity. And it's 10% and it's profit units. So those just don't get handed out like candy. They're vested over time and they're earned. And coming up with this profit formula is not just something you do quickly. So, so, Bray, get the dog. <laughs> we love you, Finny. <laughs> so, the way I pick the markets is I look at a few things. I look at the cost per click. PBC is the most expensive marketing I do. I look at the competition and there's a couple competitors I love when they're there. And I know they have market share because I beat them every time. And <laughs> I, I've got to build a market that's 10 million or more. So I got to have density. So we look at the average customer, the average income. We say, what's the credit scores average in this market, which is data you can buy. And really there's no such thing to me as a bad market unless it has a population that's not big enough to take density of a meaningful ownership stake of that market, meaning 15% or more market share. And Cortex idea is, listen, you got to take, you got to own the market. You got to be, they just want to be, they'd rather be in 10 markets and own them and be 10, 15, 20% than own a bunch of, they call it hot dog stands across the United States. They're like, what? You don't really have any market share. So they want us to go deep when we go into a market. Love it. Um, let's, let's go to Martha and we can answer that maybe after Martha. Does that sound good? Yeah, it's perfect. Okay. It's Tommy. Great talking to you. You too. Oh, you're muted. I was Hi. muted because I was having a coughing fit. So I'm going to oh. open pray that it holds out. Um, so let's talk scoreboards, accountability. Um, why? Well, did you always have a scoreboard and believe in being transparent in the company? You know, I never really had a tool to do it. I, we we started off on, I mean, when I first started, I had a map book. This is before we had a GPS. I mean, before it was a whiteboard and we'd write it on the whiteboard and I, I wrote an unhappy face on the left with red and a happy face on the right. And I made each guy take a marker and write up what their, their score was. And one day I said, guys, I hate to say this and I'm not trying to belittle you, but these are the biggest losers this week. These are the biggest winners. And one of my guys, Steve, tells us a story all the time. He says, the day, and he goes, I know you weren't intentionally calling me a loser, but I was in a bucket of losers. I said, I'm never going to have to walk up to that whiteboard again. I was so embarrassed. So I doubled down and I started training harder and I made my mind up. So I got, 
it's not usually what I do to intimidate people by embarrassing them. But in this case, this, I was young in business. I didn't know what I was doing. And so that's what we did. And it's not a bad thing to make people accountable to how they perform. And so that was how we started kind of looking at the numbers. And now I pretty much show everybody everything each week. They get access to what their profitability was, our revenue goals, they got to know, but one of the things I found out, Martha, is they don't give two shits if I hit my goals. They say what's in it for me. Exactly. So if you could come up with compensation plans that motivate the right things and bonuses and equity incentive programs that get them to row in the same direction and not get siloed, you know, the five dysfunctions of a team is when you start getting siloed and the departments care more about their department than the whole of the company. So- I think for me, it's all about open book management and really having more one-on-ones. The one-on-ones, I think people do group therapy all too often and they don't have enough one-on-ones and figure out what's important. I just interviewed the the five languages of the workplace. It's kind of like the five love languages. And he said, people like to be rewarded and, and thought about completely different. And if you don't know those going in, you might bring a guy to the front of the room that will quit the next day because he didn't want to be in the front of the room. And and so right. it's important to understand how people like to be rewarded and, and cared for and communicated with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a management KPIs with bonuses and um, pretty much everybody was rewarded with cash bonuses. But I had one manager that it just that did not move the needle for her. And long story short, what she cared about were experiences with her family. So once I equated, you know, I I call it the United Way Fund. And once I equated her bonuses she was earning with that trip to Disney World, everything changed. And it was the same, you know, it was the same thing. I just hadn't put the connection for her um, to make it important because you're right. Like if they don't care about the, what you decided, what's in it for them, then it doesn't move the needle. And uh, that's just a simple, uh, just a simple example we ask about love languages in our hiring process now as part of our automated funnel like and people are like oh you shouldn't talk about that at work and i'm like absolutely you should talk about that at work i if i'm going to throw money at somebody who doesn't care about gifts why would i do that when i could be praising them instead in a very cool way yeah i that was a good podcast too tommy i caught that one we'll link to it yeah yeah um and so many times because i work with a lot of people and so many times they're so frustrated that someone's not performing at the level they want them to be performing at etc and then you get down to it and the employee doesn't even know what the metrics are they don't even know what their employer is wanting from them and uh you know that goes back to those dashboards, the the scoreboard to where, you know, as an employee, I know exactly how to succeed or how to fail. 
And uh, without those metrics, it's just a free for all for everybody. <laughs> so, well, how are you supposed to train if you don't know what? A lot of people they they do they live in today. They don't look at the score from yesterday and make sure the enthusiasm was up in the calls and coach. You know, when I played sports and I played a lot of sports in high school and I always talk about football because there was, we played two, two a day practices. We practiced for six hours a day, uh, twice on the weekend to play one, three hour game. Why in sports do we practice 12 times to play one game? Mm-hmm. And you know, Larry Fitzgerald said, for every good catch you've seen me make in the game, I made a hundred in practice. Well, why does it only exist? This is why I love military. I love people that played in the symphony. I love people that played sports. I love people that farmed. They knew how to finish stuff. And they understood how important it was to prep and get ready and practice. But in business, we say, we're going to put you in the game forever. And if you ever need help, we'll give you one ride along and you're going to get right back to normal. Yeah. And then we don't, you, you know, if you look at the back of a baseball card or a football card or a hockey card, it gives you their stats. It tells you on a baseball, it tells you runs bad at it, the RBI. It, mm-hmm. it just, it tells you every single thing on the stats. So why not have baseball cards for every employee and be able to look at the back and say, here's what I was at for the year. Let's see what you were at and share that data like they do with teams. There's a lot to be learned from, from other big companies and sports teams and and what real coaches do for a company. Right, and right. That's so important. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned the training. One of the best things I ever did was revamp my training program because I put a lot of emphasis in quality scores. And I thought we were doing such a great job training. They get out of training. I'd watch their quality scores and they were bombing. And so it was like either our training's not adequate or we're letting people through training who shouldn't get through training. And so once I, you know, you, you talked about this basically reverse engineering what your problems are and then finding a way to make sure that you have all the adequate training and the adequate data that tells you and them whether it's a fit or not. Well, here's the, here's the real deal. And I talked about this. I was just in Puerto Rico at Amar and I said, you guys are posting and I read your post and it looks like a prison sentence must be only eligible seven days oh a week gosh, yeah. must be proficient in. And I'm like, who do want to work for you? I'm like, make it awesome. Put a video, talk about your culture, talk about what this is going to do and mean for their, their wife or their husband and their family. And talk about some of the fun trips you guys go on and make this fun. And that, so I think a lot of the times we expect people to be intuitive, but we're paying them $14 an hour. Yeah. So if you want the best, you got to have an aggressive salary and you got to make it a great workplace with a fun culture, with the right lighting, with a coffee machine. And people got to look happy when they walk in and truly happy mm-hmm. with some flexibility, but also understand that they do have a goal and they have a job and we're measuring everything. And if some people hate that, some people want to just go work at McDonald's and just say, Hey, right. I flip but you got to, I think there's something to be said about the caliber of people that I attract now. And I've got a line of people all the time in every market. And so many people have said it's so hard to hire. And I say, it's because we invested in 
the social media and the brand and the billboards because I one A player will run circles around three B players. So if I pay one person thirty dollars an hour and I'm paying three people fifteen, I'm actually saving money by this one A player, and they're happier and they stay and they elevate everybody around them. Right, right, and they say so you don't have all of the constant turnover, turnover costs and door. problems. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Should we go to questions? Let's talk about Elevate. Can we do that? Yeah. Let's do it. Because you have a whole section on turnover, Tommy. I mean, how it's just changing. So tell us, like, what was the inspiration for the book? What are you most excited about the book? What do you want a reader to take away from this book? Like, what what is this going to do for our cultures? What is this going to do for home service? Well, in the game of business, there doesn't have to be losers. And typically, business owners say, you work for me. And the employees get treated like shit. Uh, and the customers, we only care about the customer, but we don't understand we have internal customers. We don't understand our partnerships are important. We got to do more for our vendors instead of just asking them for a cheap price. There's a way for your vendors to win. So when you sit down to a negotiation, you find out their one-year plan, their three-year plan, their five-year plan, and you try to figure out a way to help them. So you figure out what's in it for them and how can we grow together? Because if the employees win and you win and the vendors win and the partnerships win, everybody's allowed to win. And that's, that's something that we're not told in business. We, we've always learned in sports, there's win and, winners and losers, right? There's at the end of the game, someone won, someone lost. But in the game of business, everybody's allowed to win. And there's certain elements that I figured out and culture is right at the top, but leadership is what makes the culture. And recruiting is so important in marketing and systems. Those are the five pillars of the book. And the systems really dictate the output, leadership, develop systems along with the employees alongside of them. And I call them my coworkers. And I think it's just, we talk about how in a hockey game, if there's a player that's out, somehow the other team has the ability to come back and win, even though they had a player out of the game and the Mm -hmm. underdog and people, they like to rise up to the challenge if you challenge them enough. And I think it's so important. We've got the dream manager, And we just talk about really starting with a point of what's in it for them. How could you, and here's the deal. You got to peel back that onion. Not everybody's like, Oh, my dream is to, you know, you got to really talk with them, spend time with them. And sometimes you might not be the right person. Maybe I'm not the right person to connect with a CSR about their dreams and their goals, but it's important to see that there's a road to get you to where you want within our company. Mm-hmm. And if you want it bad enough and your mindset is great and you've got a mindset about elevating everybody around you, you could accomplish anything and you could be an entrepreneur for us. And you can still put your work jacket off on the weekends, take your vacation and come in here and have a lot of freedom to do whatever you want. I, I think it's more about internal customers, but everybody's got to win. And it's a great opportunity if you can look at business in that mindset. And I love, I love, love, love that. Um, you said something in the book about your goal. So you, you, you had this goal of a hundred million. You crushed it last year. You did two hundred million, I think, right? No, one fifty. Yeah, right. You did one fifty or something. Than, yeah. yeah. Uh, what's the new goal? Well, I've been thinking a lot about this, and the book. I'm just reading the Audible. I haven't got to that part yet. And <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot to put that book in. Coming up for air, right? <laughs> Come up for air was another one. Yeah. So. You know, we're, I want to do 10 billion and I like to. I'm sorry, say that again. 10 billion. Slowly. 
10 billion with a B, with a B. Yeah, there was a B there. So it was a billion and then it was 2 billion. I swear, every time I talk to Tommy, it's like, okay. But now new BHAG, 10 billion, guys. Well, I start with an OKR outcome and key result. And then I got to analyze how to get there. And the mindset of going to that number, of thinking about a number that big, you got to think outside of the box. It's partnerships, relationships. It's going into flooring and storage. It's getting, uh, because the market cap won't allow me to get there in garage doors alone. But here's so, what happens. Like you say in the book, when people come to work for you, that you tell them that. You don't shy away from that. You say that at the very beginning. And you end up building this team of winners because now they can see a path. Like, this is a fast-growing company. I can choose my own career, my own destiny. I can choose my own square on this box or circle. Tommy's org chart is a circle. It's a very, very cool org chart. But they can see a path to really make their your dreams become their dreams, right? You've found a way to make what's in it for them with these crazy goals. And we get so afraid of that. Like we don't want our employees to think that we're growing a big company. And Tommy, it's the complete opposite. He's like, no, that's the opportunity. I tell these people, I do an orientation, I dress up like a doctor, it's three and a half hours. <laughs> I do everything, I go from soup to nuts and I orientate them properly. And I tell them, we make a lot of money. And we're going to continue to make a lot of money because business is not easy. We're going to shoot for 20%. We might fall a little bit short. We might hit 22%. We might hit 18. And I pay myself very, very well. And my goal is to watch you guys buy homes and hit your dreams. Because I know when you're hitting your dreams, I'll be hitting mine. But I never shy away from the fact that we make a lot of money. I never shy away from the fact that I own the apartments and that I'm buying houses and that I'm traveling and speaking. We're successful and we're going to bleed off into you. Everything we know. And you're allowed to do. And if you don't end up here long term, I hope that we helped you. And I hope you grew with us because ultimately I know everybody's not just going to come work with us forever. I hope they do. And I hope they find out they can accomplish their dreams. But when you find out that the owner cares, it's showing up is half the battle. It's showing up when they need you. It's showing up to communicate. And it's not even physically. It's showing up there mentally engaged when when you're at a meeting and i think that a lot of owners we struggle with uh some of us add but some of us just we have this mindset of if you don't do it, it let me just do it let me just take over i'll come fix the job i'll call that review and fix it i'll answer the darn phones instead of slowing down to speed up and i think that's some of the principles at the end of the book I just mentioned, look, the worst thing in the world is you're at a beach and you see this person and it's everything you want. I mean, you look at this for me, it would be a guy and he's got his wife and kids and dog. And this guy just looks like he's going to win, win, win the world. Like he's just so happy. He's content. He's loved. He's cherished. And then you realize, wait a minute, that kind of looks like me. Maybe that's the best version of me. Mm -hmm. And that would be on earth to meet the best version of yourself and know you could have done better. Yeah. And what I think about a lot in the Stephen Covey, seven habits of highly success, successful people, he talks about what are people going to say at our funerals? And so you got to live your life today to make sure that you leave a legacy. And that's what I'm trying to do right now. Cause I don't have to work. I choose to work and I enjoy what I do. A part of your legacy, you have a new book coming out tomorrow. We're so excited to have you here today. It's called elevate, build a business where everybody wins. This is the link to it. Uh, it's in the comments, book.elevateandwin.com. You can pre-order it. It's going live tomorrow, March 15th. Um, 
we've got questions. Should we do homework first, ladies, or should Wait, we do questions? I want to. Oh. I want yeah. just one quick wrap up because Tommy yeah. talked about a lot of great things, but here's the deal: everything you were talking about involving people, it's how you make them feel about working for your company. Do do you elevate and boost their self-esteem? Do you create a vision for them? And, you know, it's, it's the feelings that are associated with working for your company. And if those good feelings aren't there, they don't want to say. So, um, okay. Anything else? Tommy, before I pass it on to Megan. You know, business is a lot of work. And the question is, you're going to lose relationships. You're going to sacrifice time. Most of us have to put a lot of sweat equity in. And we do, when we have a bunch of money to spend, usually we lose it because we don't know what we're doing. We, we got to make the small mistakes before we can make big ones because we could lose lots of money. So I had this guy on this Facebook post say, I just wish I could talk to more one and $2 million companies. It's pretty annoying to me because I was a one in $2 million company and I hang out with billion dollar companies now because I know where I'm going. And if you want to hang out with a $1 million company, I don't have a problem with that. But if you want to find out what a $150, $200 million company looks like, it's going to change your life because we've been there. Right. And when you go watch a successful company, you'll see success leaves clues. You'll see the systems. And what do you want to learn to do? Buy a truck for cheaper? What do you, what, what do you try if you're at a million dollar company, it's like three employees and I'm not condescending, but I'm like, I was there. So I'm allowed to talk about it. And I just want you guys to know, like at the end of the day, go find out somebody that's three to five times your size and find out where they were and what they changed and find out who they hired and their systems they put into place. Misery loves misery. So I hope this guy hangs out with a bunch of million dollar companies because that's where he'll be forever. And I like the guy, but that's just my two cents. Uh, Tony wants to hang out. Tony Tillman. I love that. Uh, let's do homework real fast because we got two minutes. Uh, so one of the things that makes our show different is we do homework. Tay's going to tell us all about those rules. Absolutely. So we do have rules when it does come to homework. And Tommy, you're more than welcome to give some homework at the end here. Um, but for our listeners, we do want you to only choose one piece of homework. We are about to give you four to five pieces of homework, which is way too much for you to complete within the week. Um, if you choose one and you get that completed, feel free to do some bonus after that. Maybe choose another one that spoke to you. But to make sure you're being held accountable and moving the needle forward in your business, please only choose one as we go through these homework assignments. So for marketing, um, I feel like I've been a broken record with this this year, as I said earlier. But I do really want you to focus on the granular level of who your customer avatar is. That's something we need to know in order to continue to build your marketing plan, build your business, and make sure we're getting in front of the right people this year. And you can't do that unless you know who that person is. And as I said before, it could be multiple. It could be, you know, two or three different types of homeowner avatars that you have. But I need you to at least start with one. Get very granular. Who are they? How much money do they make? Where do they live? Where do they like to hang out? What are their areas that they like to search for a company? Is it online? Is it from word of mouth? I mean, I really need you to look at this on a very granular level. And I do have a really good, um, I can't remember where exactly I got it from, but I do have a link to a really good customer avatar worksheet 
that I can also put in our private group. So that way it can kind of guide you on how to get to that granular level of what that looks like. Yeah. One of the things that we love about our podcast that makes us different is we don't want you to just take in information. We want you to implement. One of Tommy's major features is he's an implementer. He was taking notes today. He will have those notes done by the end of the day or delegated or passed to somebody else. He takes action. He doesn't just read these books. He implements them in his company. So if you need help implementing the homework, we have a private Facebook group. Here's the link. And that's where we hang out with, you know, we can give you some suggestions and help you make a difference. Your finance homework for this week. And remember, you're only choosing one. Choose the one that speaks to you that will actually move your business forward this week. Your finance homework is what is the value of your business? It's a very hard question to answer. And why do you say that? You should have based on solid financials and you should have based on third party verification. How much is your business worth? And it's less than you think. Awesome, Megan. And your systems homework is to check out Tommy's new book. I'm going to put the link in the private group. Um, I believe that we learn best from others. Like you said, Tommy, you're really charging down a big path and we all should be following after you and learning all the good nuggets. So you're going to check out the book. That's your systems homework. And Michelle, I have a little secret. Yeah, we, we, we bought a hundred copies. So if you would like, if you would like a copy of this book, Fight Club will send it to you. We will actually mail oh it to you. Goodness. I did not okay. negotiate Tommy signing them because apparently he would have to sign for like three days. So it won't be signed. But when you see Tommy, you'd be happy to sign it. But we have 100 copies of this book. We'd love to give them away. So oh, please awesome. read it. Yeah, please read it. And we will we will send them out. Perfect. I love that. Thank you. So send us a note with your address and we'll get them mailed. Okay. Love it. Did you use unauthorized funds, Megan? Yeah, I was going to say, what did... <laughs> My people homework is, I want you to, however you want to phrase this, but do you make your staff feel like winners? And I want you to go to them. You can phrase it however you want, but are you building their self-esteem? Are you putting them on a path? where they're, they feel successful. So that's your homework from me and Tommy. All right, guys, here's my homework. And you better do this. And I'd love to hear what you guys do this. So All some of the things we forget is that there's significant others in other people's lives and they have a big impact on their life. Whether that be their kids, their dog, their wife, their husband. So what I'd like you guys to do is come up with something very, very affordable. It could be Frisbee golf, volleyball. It'd be just a meet and greet. Do something really fun and get the other people in your employees' family bought into you and the company and the culture. Because when they come home from a hard day of work or they're just having a bad week, they've got cheerleaders at home helping them to give their best day ever and put their best foot forward. And I'll tell you guys, 83% of people say they stay at a company because they built a best friend there and they don't do that at work. They do that outside of work. So if you guys start to build these relationships outside of work with your coworkers and your internal customers, you'll be a lot more successful. Yep. Gallup poll. Great one. Hmm. Well, do we want to answer a few more questions? I know there's a couple more questions. Or are we out of time? Yeah, okay. I've got time. It's up to oh. you guys. All right. Well, if Tommy has time, we'll make time. <laughs> Let's do it. Okay. They'll be grateful. Let's see. We've got, should we go in order? I think it was Jay. I think Jay was our, our yeah. Uh, geez, lots of comments here, Tommy. Uh, Jonathan Wisman's got one. There you go. Here's one. Tommy, do you prefer to promote from within or hire from outside the company for key management positions? That's good. 
Well, if I have a choice, we 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 have a stronger. Uh, we'll promote from within, but you still got to interview for the position, and we we slide towards internal people for sure. But there is a lot of things you need to know. You need to have past experience. This isn't something where I train people. If I'm hiring a true leader, I want them to come in because I'm going to pay them very good money to do what they do. I don't want you learning on our dime. And we're working on a, a leadership training course. But ultimately, if you move up slow enough, we can train you. But I can't hire a CFO and say, hey, we're going to come teach you the, how to do books. So it just depends on how much of the leadership. If it's an area manager, yes, of course. We, we've got several uh, internal customers that have become uh, managers. I love that. And I've heard you say that before. Um, he, he's not going to train leadership on his time, but he's going to, you're, you're building leaders and you're building a team of leaders too. Uh, Jonathan, we love you. Jonathan Wisman here. Uh, jo Tommy, that was a great introduction. Martha and Jonathan are like BFFs. They hang out all the time. Um, and he's been on the show, uh, author of The Sales Boss, another great book. So Jonathan says, how do you balance the needs of employees that don't think or work at the level you do? Well, one of the things I've realized is I got to let them fail. And I used to be big daddy to come in and save the day and fix everything. And my mom and dad, the day when they taught me how to ride a bike without training wheels, I remember my dad took the training wheels off and my, my, my mom, they said, keep the steering, you know, keep the handlebar straight. And they pushed me along. And the first time I just kind of coasted and I had knee pads on a helmet and my dad caught, my mom caught me or my dad caught me. And then they went back and forth and they're like, now pedal. And then, and the thing is, is I fell a lot that I didn't get hurt. You know, I had little scrapes, but I've let people fail. Now, I think it's important to let people learn their own lessons and it's going to cost you money in the interim, but as long as they're growing from it, it's important. Uh, and look, I will say I've outgrown a lot of people. My buddy was in town last week and he knows we, we, we got a pretty good check. And he goes, Tommy, you know what my scariest thing for you is? He goes, you're going to lose a lot of friends. He goes, not because of the money, because you're growing every single day. And he goes, you're outgrowing so many people. And so many people are going to say, you changed, Tommy. Everything, you're starting to change when really they're not accelerating to your level. And he goes, it's going to get lonelier, but you're going to have better relationships than you've ever had. But just realize people are going to not be happy when you continue to grow and you're accelerating. And you're, you know, I, I, I don't want to be lonely, but it really meant a lot to me to hear from his perspective because he's got a lot of money and it's not about the money, but it's about the opportunities. They, they go on a lot of trips. They spend a lot of time with amazing people. And some people are jealous with other people because they say, you know, wow, they're changing. No, you're just not growing is the issue. You're <laughs> staying in the old world that you've always lived in, whether that be alcohol, drugs, uh, TV, sitcoms, and this life that you've always lived in, you decided to not grow. You decided to not step out of your comfort zone outside of the box. Mm, very yeah. good. Here's another one. Uh, how important is having a physical shop or building to company culture and the ability to scale a business? Absolutely. 100% important. And it, you know, we've got the, the dream, uh, all the goals and the fun slogans on the walls, the lighting's correct. You walk up and you're like, wow, this is cool. What are you going to meet an employee at Starbucks and say, Hey, listen, I'll buy you a donut here and uh, good luck. You want to make that place feel alive and fun. And uh, it's so important to have these little things in the business. My buddy walked in and said, you don't have a coffee pot. It, like you got the crappiest coffee. 
You don't have any drinks for your people. They don't feel loved here. The lighting. I still remember the first time I was like, what do you mean there's no coffee? And you took me to coffee. Tommy took me to 7-Eleven to get a cup of coffee. I, I remember, I'll never forget that. <laughs> now there's coffee there. Uh, wait, what's the game you have in the room? Uh, Big Buck Hunter and Golden Seed in the world. Yeah. Uh, so Michelle, this is a fun one. Tim Brown's been on the show. Um, oh, and he loves you, Tommy. And he said, thanks for introducing him. Oh, uh, that's a good him. one. <laughs> All right. I think we made it. Uh, did we make it? Oh, Jay's got a new location for you, Tommy. Jay says you need to go to Fairfield County, Connecticut, wealthiest zip codes in America. Ooh, me too. Come to Loudoun County, Tommy. I will host. You and Bree can stay, and we can show you all around. Loudoun County is also very well. <laughs> we got our buddy Luke Abbott here. He says delegate with intention and clear executions and a deadline. Now, cue Tommy when he says inspect what you expect, right? <laughs> You know, if you guys want me to come to your market, find somebody that wants to sell their garage door company or partner with us, Ooh, and I would be glad to take their call. Uh, it's crazy how I do these podcasts and speak at these events. And I, the first thing I always mention is if you know a garage door company, I'm interested, I'll give you a finder's fee. And it's probably my number one lead gen side. So if you know somebody, you talk to a couple of people, you reach out for me, I'd really appreciate it. And I'll come into your market and we can do some fun stuff. Uh, Tony wants to know when he's getting his book. I think they ship out tomorrow. Maybe. I don't know. Am I lying? Um, that's a Gianni question. I got yeah. great people to help with these things. <laughs> yeah. Gianni's been working super hard. We've had a couple meetings. Uh, but Tony, soon, soon, any minute, any day. <laughs> yeah, it's probably going to be this by the end of this week. All right. I'll let Tay, you take it back. Wrap awesome. it up. You got it. So, Tommy, if someone does want to get into contact with you, um, what would be the best way for them to reach out to you? You know, I've got a couple of Facebook accounts. Uh, <laughs> official Tommy Mello. I'm on TikTok and Instagram at Official Tommy Mello. No W in my last name, by the way. Um, he has so many yeah. imposters, and they have thousands of followers. It's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, that's a good thing. Cool thing when you're a big name in an industry. It happens. Yeah. I'm working on getting the blue check to get rid of all that stuff. Actually, <laughs> no. um, but the Home Service Millionaire podcast, Home Service Expert podcast, Home Service Millionaire was the first book, Home Service Expert podcast. Uh, what Gianni does is he takes all the questions, and if anybody has a question or just wants to know about something, they reach out on the website homeserviceexpert.com and I'll answer all the questions in the Q and a and on my podcast. But, uh, you know, I truly am not making a huge play to just, I don't really need to teach. I don't need to do much. I enjoy these things. I enjoy it when somebody reaches out and says, I'm my son's soccer coach. I have dinner every night with my wife. You basically saved my marriage. Those are the things that it's worth everything I do that pays itself in dividends. So, I do this because I choose to, not because I'm making money. I think a lot of people are trying to be consultants because they can't make it in the real world. Um, and I'm still fighting the grind every day in business. So I share what I do. I share what I'm going through. And I'm not afraid to admit I'm wrong or I'm having a tough time or I'm having a difficult situation. So I try to give back as much as possible. I still got a lot of work to do and I always will. But uh, I'm here to help if you guys have questions. Thank you, Tommy. And he means it, guys. He really does. Um, go get his book, Elevate, uh, Build a Business Where Everybody Wins. Uh, he brought in some good people that gave tips in there. Brian Davenport, this is your public acknowledgement that I'm going to come see you. You might. I knew he was a smart friend. I knew he was a great guy, but man, his chapter was my favorite. I just nerded out about that. 
Al Levy, his was great too. I mean, there were a lot of great chapters, but um, check out the book. Thanks, Tommy, for being here. Thanks for everything you do. You're Thank an inspiration you, and amazing, and we love you. And this was great. Thanks so much. We always Thank end you. with a quote. Thanks for the books. Appreciate yeah. you guys supporting me. Oh, I got you. Awesome. Michelle, go ahead. Okay. Uh, the quote for today, for everybody listening, is when you are making a decision about how best to serve your customers, your own experience is often a better guide than a more sophisticated analysis of any market. And that is Richard Branson. So I know, Tommy, you use your gut instinct and you use your own experience to make these huge decisions. And we're so grateful that we can share along and watch your ride. We're really appreciative. And thank you for coming today, everybody. Have a great day. And if you want a book, reach out to us. We'll get you one. Uh, and we'll see you guys next Tuesday, 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern. See you, everybody. Bye. Thanks, Tom. Bye. Go fight. Bye. Go fight. See you. Club for Business. Join our Facebook group where we have weekly homework, accountabilities, and an awesome community to help you fight for your business. Facebook.com slash Fight Club for, as in the number four, business. Fight Club for Business.